You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, Maurice. Ça va? Très bien. I have some good news for you. The Martian ambassador is here, and we've negotiated a settlement. Maurice, get out of the room. Get out now. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned. Finally, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you've watched growing up, the ones you are nostalgic about, at least us. I feel like we have a lot of Gen Zers who probably don't know what we do anymore, Brandon. But that's what we do. We watch them objectively. We let you know, are these movies good? Or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week we watched 1996's sci-fi, I don't know, comedy, disaster, maybe satire spoof, I don't know, film, uh, Mars Attacks. Let's get this out of the way. We thought this was a good idea at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice planet. We'll take it. I like that tagline. Mm. That's pretty fun. That's a good tagline. Um, That's a good tagline for whatever this movie is. Whatever this movie is indeed, Zach. I did not know what I was getting into. Uh, I I have... I'm a virgin. I'm a Mars Attacks virgin. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I had always seen, obviously, bits of... I mean, some of this movie has become iconic, and you've just absorbed it through cultural osmosis, just being alive in the 90s, because... I think Pete Davidson has a tattoo of the aliens. (laughs) I think he does, or something that looks very similar. You know what else looks similar is... Jeff Dunham's Ahmed the Terrorist. Did he just straight up steal the eyes from these Mars Martians? I I have no idea. This is probably the last time I want Jeff Dunham brought up on this (laughs) podcast. So (laughs) let's move on from that. But yeah, maybe. But never seeing this movie before, of course I had seen the poster. I was aware that obviously it had a big cast and that at some point some woman's head was going to be put on a dog. That's Mm -hmm. really all... I had going into this. But you didn't know the woman was Sarah Jessica Parker, did you? (laughs) I did not. I did not. And I also didn't know that we'd see the reverse of that, Sarah Jessica's body with a chihuahua dog head. But man, yeah, not something I thought Tim Burton was honestly even responsible for until I was well into my adult years. Like, this just didn't seem like a Tim Burton picture based on its visual aesthetic or the cast necessarily. I guess you got Danny DeVito and he's been with him a few times. I mean, and Jack Nicholson off the Batman movies too, so... I think this was the first movie in his career looking over his filmography that people started to question, what what is a Tim Burton movie? <laughs> I don't know now. Yeah, and I think this is like right on that edge of, like you mentioned, Beetlejuice. Because this, this movie, in ways, reminds me a lot of Beetlejuice, but whereas Beetlejuice did have like a little bit of depth to it, I don't know what the... Like, this movie reads like just a fucking... Like, YouTube sketch show for like t- two hours. It's crazy. Yeah, it is all over the place in its tone, and it's well, honestly, it's got to be his most like juvenile effort. I would assume after seeing if most, if not all of his movies. Yeah, and we'll obviously dive deeper into this, but I think this is one of one of his, and this is a pretty high bar. This is one of his stranger movies, and I don't know if that's what was the intention i don't know but interesting just to kind of balance out what you said that you're a virgin of this movie i wouldn't have thought that i would have thought that this was a movie that you had seen many times especially given its cult status um i have seen this movie several times it'd been a couple of years i think maybe about five six years since i'd last seen it long enough for me to forget it and forget just how fucking bizarre it is um and it was interesting to rewatch because i still like 
the build-up to the aliens in this movie is great because you're just like, oh my god, I can't wait to see the aliens. And I still get like, like that sense of nostalgia and goosebumps when the aliens finally like come out of the spaceship for the first time. And then it's just fucking a journey after that, we'll say that. Yeah, so of course, directed by Tim Burton, who has become a nostalgia-be-damned staple, an all-star, if you will. Uh, we've already covered Sleepy Hollow. We did the Planet of the Apes remake. Ellie produced uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which we also covered. Uh, we've talked about his Batman-adjacent films, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Of course, he didn't have anything to do with that. But yeah, Tim Burton was huge in the 90s and remains a pretty popular filmmaker today. However, he's gone from being such a, a niche filmmaker to such a commercial filmmaker to now he just seems to be sort of cashing in on remakes of old Disney properties. He seems ostracized now in terms of like, do people really want to go see a Tim Burton movie? I know. Well, maybe that's just me. I don't really want to go see a Tim Burton movie at this point. Yeah. I'm rooting for the guy. I'm hoping he comes back with something great. Cause I, cause I really did love a lot of his earlier work. He is of course responsible for Batman, Batman returns, Edward Scissorhands, Pee Wee's big adventure, Beetlejuice, big fish, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Alice in Wonderland remake, Dark Shadows, Frank and Weenie, Big Eyes, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, and most recently, the Dumbo remake. Did you even say The Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, again, because he didn't direct that, remember? He did oh, produce yeah, that's it, that right, bastard. That's right, that's had, right. Yeah, exactly. He, he stole that's it right. from Henry Selleck. He stole it, yeah, <laughs> and that's right. I forgot. We covered that. We did. We did indeed. It's a good episode, too. You should go back and listen to it. So I did not know that Mars Attacks is not an original property. I guess it's based on the Topps trading card series of the same name, which were first released back in, like, 1962, I guess. This is news to me. Yeah. So the cards, they feature artwork by science fiction artists uh, Wally Wood and Norman Saunders. And I guess they do form some sort of story arc, which tell the invasion of Earth by Martians who are under the command of a corrupt Martian government who conceal the fact from the Martian populace that Mars is doomed to explode. Therefore, proposes a colonization of Earth to turn that into their new home world. I don't believe that's ever meant. Like, do they have any sort of plot or, or, or drive to take over Earth? Or there's no mention of what's going on on Mars in this film that I forgot, right? Yeah, in this movie, they're just kind of, like, dicking around. <laughs> they're assholes. Yeah, they're just being jerks. That's it. Like, they're not, like, it's never hinted at their reason. They just, like, kind of show up. They abduct some humans, can, like, do a few, like, weird, pointless sort of uh, experiments, and then just, like, try and kill everyone. <laughs> Huh. It's got a uh, the the the, t the trading card story sounds way better. I'm honestly yeah very curious to see what that would have looked like brought to life. Alex Cox, the guy behind like Repo Man and Sid and Nancy, tried to get a film based on this property off the ground, and then Tim Burton of course went into uh, production. I think mid '90s after the success of Batman and Warner Brothers was kind of willing to give him a blank check. And uh, I don't necessarily know if it cashed. It cost an estimated seventy million dollars to make. It earned $37 million in the U.S. Thankfully, was considered more profitable and more critically successful in Europe. I guess a big says, big hit over there where eventually, also uh, said and done, it did gross $101 million worldwide, but was considered a box office disappointment at the time, especially considered this was released in December of 1996, just a few months after Independence Day broke box office records that summer. I wonder if it did better in, in video release sales. Yes. Well, this have. is a movie that definitely has has now slowly grown a cult following over the years. And I, after doing some research, yeah, a lot of people fucking love this movie. Yeah, 
It, they do. It's like, I I don't know. It, I feel like they're hard to find, but the people who do love this movie love this fucking movie. Hardcore. Yes. And I think it hits such a sweet, weird, again, niche spot that if it does appeal to your sensibilities, it's going to be right up your alley and you are going to love it. I think everyone else, this is, this is probably like a very divisive film, I'd imagine, also based on the critic scores, that it's just, you either love it or you hate it. I... You know, we'll get into it because I don't know if I'm necessarily that polarized on the film. Um, I might fall more in line in the middle, but it is a goddamn strange experience. And I feel like the modern, ordinary moviegoer is going to have a problem swallowing just the bizarre tone of it all. So in 1996, we got to remember, this was the year, of course, Independence Day. That was number one. Mars Attacks went, ended up ranking 37th on the, on the domestic box office charts that year, just behind The Ghost in the Darkness, that uh, Val Kilmer Lion movie and uh, set it off with Queen Latifah. So in terms of movies we've covered on the show, it was, of course, beaten by Independence Day, Twister, Space Jam, Jingle All the Way, and Happy Gilmore, but it did manage to outperform from Dust Till Dawn. Wow. So we've done a lot of movies from this time period. So it has a 6.4 on IMDb, a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a critic's consensus that reads, Tim Burton's Alien Invasion spoof, faithfully recreates the wooden characters and schlocky story of cheesy 50s sci-fi and Ed Wood movies, perhaps a little too faithfully for audiences. It was a little too alieny for folks. It's interesting what Roger Ebert had to say. Uh, he kind of fell into the not loving it category. Um, he wrote, Ed Wood himself could have told us what's wrong with this movie. The makers felt superior to the material. To be funny, even schlock has to believe in itself. Uh, look for Inframan or Invasion of the B-Girls, and you will find movies that lack stars and big budgets and fancy special effects, but are funny and fun in a way that Burton's mega production never really understands. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, honestly. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of fair criticism in that. Yeah. A lot of fair criticism in that. And Tim Burton, clearly huge love for those B-movies of the 1950s and 60s. Obviously, he made the Ed Wood biopic, and this is a movie clearly inspired by those alien invasion movies. Uh, this was also pretty reminiscent of what's that fucking killer attack of the killer tomatoes, which yeah. they end up dispatching the villains in a very similar way, which took me by like, wait, what, how, do, how are they dying? <laughs> wait, what's happening? But obviously being at Tim Burton, he did initially want to use stop motion animation to feature, uh, the Martians, um, viewing it as a sort of homage to the work of Ray Harryhausen. However, due to budget limitations against 70 millions, pretty damn big, but even in that, that's mid 1990s yeah. money. Uh, they did wind up going to ILM, Industrial Light, uh, Light and Magic, to uh, create the CGI, which it, it isn't bad enough to look purposefully cheesy. And so I'm kind of torn on how I feel about the entire kind of look and aesthetic of the movie, because the CGI obviously very noticeable, but I feel like they kind of know that, but they're also going for a certain look that they don't want it to look too, <laughs> like too fake. But at the same time, it's got to look like, I guess, these trade, like these fucking trading cards yeah so. i remember when it came out I, I i'm with you now i'm a little torn now but i remember when it came out being like very intrigued by it not, not okay not impressed not like blown away but just being like that looks like kind of cool well i mean this is coming off of course yeah like independence day had the practical aliens when you see them you know will smith punching them welcome them to earth but like here they build up so much suspense in what these aliens are going to look like. And then when you do find out, you're just like, wait, okay. All right. This is what they're going for. And then their fucking language, as soon as they start opening their mouths. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Jesus. All right, well, let's just yeah. get into it. Um, it is, of course, rated PG-13 for sci-fi, fantasy, violence, and brief sexuality. So, this being a Tim Burton movie, of course, it's scored by Danny Elfman. And I got to say, this opening little, like, title sequence, I kind of fucking love. This is a great theme, and, like, this is kind of getting me into it. Not let alone just the amount of names that are flying at you. It just blows you away. Yeah. This goddamn cat. It's uh, it's a jarring even from someone who has seen the movie before. When that list flies at you, you're just like, holy shit! How many people are in this fucking movie? It's it's truly insane. And honestly, like we could just go through a list of them because they're so sporadic and they are given such little to do here. Many of them that you'll forget they're in here. Michael J. Fox is in this movie. Yeah, and what I think is his last like on camera film performance, like theatrical release. I think he maybe did some voice work after this, but I don't think he's been in a movie he's, that was released in theaters. Yeah, I don't think after a, this movie. I don't think a movie, but he. I mean, he was in Curb, but like half the joke of Curb was that he had Parkinson's. Um, well, sure, yeah, and I think I, there was even like some stuff I read in the the trivia here that that is when he started like experiencing the symptoms and whatnot. And there are maybe even a few shots in the movie where you can tell is what people are saying, but. Uh, I didn't notice it in any way. I was just so fucking no, happy to see like, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> I was too. Um, but man, oh man. I mean, you just run through the cast. Um, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Danny, Jack Pierce Nicholson. Brosnan, Danny DeVito. Uh, Glenn Close, just, Annette Benning. It's insane. Truly the amount yeah. of Oscar nominees and winners throughout the whole cast. And I mean, fucking you had James Bond in there. I feel like a lot of these stars were probably commanding multi-million dollar contracts at least. I would assume, and then you also look at it as like maybe some of these people are doing them as favors for Tim Burton because they just enjoy working with him. Reportedly, Jack Nicholson didn't even read the script. He was just like liked working with Tim Burton after doing the Joker and Batman. Was like, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever. Oh, nice. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, except he goes to the point of playing fucking two characters, which I did not need. There's never, I don't know how many movie experiences I've ever sat through saying, you know what, I need less Jack Nicholson in this movie. This is maybe the only one because I don't need his second his second character. But again, we'll get into that. I did the first the opening shots of the movie is like some farm in the middle of nowhere. Some farmers asking this like family or whatever, like, is this Filipino New Year's as because there's some sort of weird, crazy smell in the air right off the top. Yeah, it's off to a, <laughs> it's a, off to a bad racist start. Right. Yeah, Jesus. The first line. And then like the first shots you see is just cattle, cows sprinting by a blaze just set on fire and it's like what the fuck am I getting into? Yeah, it's off to a rough start immediately, but it's I it, it, that that to me you said he's he's kind of doing this almost as an homage to some of the old like alien invasion movies. Yeah, and I you know, again, the UFOs are classic like the saucers you'd picture out of those 1950s movies mm. and they just start surrounding Earth. We get obviously all these shots from space and whatnot during this credit sequence. And then we meet our nation's president, played by Jack Nicholson. He's President James Dale. He's meeting with Pierce Brosnan, uh, who plays this professor. <laughs> He's smoking this pipe in the Oval Office. I Again, some of these characters are given so little to do. It's just nice to see these actors' familiar faces and whatnot. So people like Pierce Brosnan or Sarah Jessica Parker later on, it's just like... No idea what the, what their characters are, are yeah. why they're there. I don't know why Danny DeVito's in this. I don't know why, like... And half these people, spoiler alert, end up dying. Yeah. So oh, oh, it's most just, of the cast is dead by the end of the film. And they're yeah. in it for oh. maybe a whole, like, five minutes, some of them each. Completely forgot Natalie Portman's in this movie. <laughs> Natalie Portman is in this movie. Princess Amadala. Yeah, she's one of the very few people who doesn't die. 
That's true. And honestly, her character, I would have assumed, was just going to be Winona Ryder when I heard there was going to be a daughter and she's clearly yeah. like playing off that vibe. And it's a Tim Burton movie. Glad to see Natalie Portman in the mix. Yeah. She's barely in this movie, though. She is. As is. And that's what I can really say about everybody. And I get what they're doing. They're doing that like sprawling. We're going to follow all of these disparate characters. Some of them are going to interconnect and others are just never going to meet each other. And some of them matter. Others don't. It's almost like a, a big like middle finger to the audience where or like a troll movie where it seems as though Tim Burton's like, look at this cast I've assembled. How many of your like favorite actors in Hollywood? And I'm going to make them do nothing. And they're all going to die in like minutes of screen time. Feels like a weird <laughs> anthology of like an overarching theme where there are aliens attacking. Yes. But just mashed together. Well, yeah, because there's no real like social commentary. And it, like the, the satire isn't so pointed that it's really calling anyone or anything out. And so it's just sort of like, you know, again, I can accept it on the level of this is just a fun kind of throwback to those crazy alien invasion picks. And so that's why that's kind of the mode I'm getting into at the start here, because I do like how they throw you right into it. So at the very start of it, they're already well aware, like aliens are going to be coming to Earth. Pierce Brosnan who is in the Oval Office as that scientist professor guy, like kind of explaining what they believe the aliens are and when they're coming. Um, while Jack Nicholson is sort of toying with the idea of like, maybe we should send the military in because this right-hand man, like the general keeps like telling him like, we've got to kill these fucking aliens. Yeah, there's one general who's always, there's a fucking angry general. We got to nuke them to hell. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. It's clearly also kind of like a riff on like the Doctor Strangelove um, play. They've even set up some of uh, the production design to mimic that later on in the movie. Um, We also meet Glenn Close. She's the first lady. Uh, their daughter, Taffy, that's played by Natalie Portman. We get a few more kind of just random disparate characters. There's Pam Greer as like a single mom who's having a tough time wrangling her kids. Uh, she's married to a former heavyweight boxing champ who's in Vegas. Um, yeah. I don't even know what his job is there. He just seems to walk around dressed as an Egyptian. I don't I, a Pharaoh. Yeah, I, I don't think know. He's supposed to be like a celebrity, a celebrity like, guest. OK, yeah, like a celebrity guest who hangs out, but they dress him up in like a fucking feral costume and they don't pay him any money so like i don't know what he's doing yeah and they're also in in vegas for some reason a lot of the characters are in vegas it's like vegas dc and then maybe like rural wherever they're like because then we've also got out of nowhere jack black's family jack black and probably one of his first film appearances yeah Yeah. jack black yeah jack black is in this movie long enough to like forget instantly that jack black's in this movie He's introduced like blindfolded, assembling a rifle and all his dad's timing them in their trailer in the middle of nowhere. He plays Billy Glenn. And again, all these people, because they set them up, you anticipate going somewhere or doing something or mattering in some way. But most of them don't. His brother is, I think, Lucas Haas, um, who will actually somehow fall into the fold and maybe help save everyone. (laughs) accidentally who who is this actor by the way yeah lucas haas i gotta look him up because i've seen him in so many movies and the whole oh i knew he was in inception he's the guy in inception in the very beginning who they're like tossing the bathtub remember and like it's in his dream or something in the very start of inception but i gotta see what else i don't remember but <laughs> yeah because he is brothers because I, I can't yeah even he's jack black's that. brother in this movie and yeah their their parents again recognizable actors i think jack black's girlfriend or sister i couldn't tell is christina applegate <laughs> like she's in there first yes his his girlfriend his girlfriend is christina applegate she is in this movie for two shots so he was in oh he was the boy in witness i think that's probably his big role oh he's also in brick did you ever see that one with uh 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, yeah, seems to be in a lot. Oh, he's in Lincoln, Contraband, Jobs. Yeah, he's been working. He's usually just a character actor, it seems. Kind of small. I got to look him up now because I, man. It's going to bother you. He's got that face. I, I wanted to punch him this whole movie because <laughs> oh, like he, he's always no, talking about donuts like he, yeah he's always talking about donuts he's like <laughs> i like i don't know he i just found him super annoying but <laughs> that's i don't know maybe that's me maybe my nerd bashing yeah persona uh, instinct yeah it's yeah. starting to really seep into you yeah, i think because, that's man, you're just becoming man, this is a nerd yeah this is a nerd that needs bashing <laughs> okay now okay now i'm seeing him as an adult he looks about exactly what I would think he looks like as an adult. Anyway, we've gone way too long on this. <laughs> I did like his grandmother, who does also become very important later on. Uh, Florence, she's, she's kind of funny. I do get some laughs out of her. Jack Nicholson trying to figure out how he's going to address the nation, address the world about you know how humanity is aware there are aliens, and he wants to you know create this dignified speech and something historic. We also meet the other character played by Jack Nicholson inexplicably for really no reason other than no I reason. guess it's funny to because it's it's clearly Jack Nicholson. It's it's hard to ever I have to justify his paycheck, I guess. Maybe I guess, but it's just so strange because again, this character really amounts to nothing. He's like this weird, uh, greedy hotel tycoon trying to sell shit. So we do meet some reporters and anchors, I believe. That's Michael J. Fox is the anchor for this uh, TV network. And then Sarah Jessica Parker, I believe, is uh, either a reporter or just some interviewer because she wants to do a story uh, with Pierce Brosnan on, you know, how we're going to be addressing the, like, the meeting. They're finally going to uh, set up yeah. an actual uh, meet and greet <laughs> with the Martians. Can I, can the TV person in me rant a little bit about this too, that, like, Michael J. Fox is supposedly, like, the big, like, news guy and he's like always looking for the scoop and he always is like I, like i'm i want the big story and they put pierce brosnan who's like the head scientist of the whole country on a fashion show with sarah jessica parker <laughs> yeah yeah it's a bit strange for, yeah like, why would <laughs> yeah why wouldn't you put him on like the big network news show not a good idea no the opposite but it is strange that during this uh, interview, that's when the Martians sort of first show their face. They take over the airwaves and sort of send out this this broadcast, which terrifies everyone. Because, again, you just see the aliens and they have <laughs> they're literally just saying ack, ack again and again, just ack, ack, in different. I like I really like the sound of the voice at first. But God damn it, does it get annoying after it's said again and again. It's literally as if oh, it's, it's one so, word again and again and again. Yeah, it becomes very grating after a while. I read that the writers weren't sure what the Martians should sound like or what their dialogue should sound like. So they literally just wrote in ack, ack, ack for all their lines of dialogue. And then it just stuck all the way through the production. <laughs> Tim Burton was like, I like it. <laughs> Fucking God damn it, Tim. And how would you describe these aliens? They're like, they... <sighs> Their heads are obviously pretty big because they don't look like the traditional alien you'd see in a Close Encounters or, again, They're, kind of modified for uh, Independence Day. Each movie that's coming out specifically, I feel like, in this time period is trying to one-up the next on, like, no, we're going to show you what fucking aliens look like. This one doesn't care. Um, it, it, they're, like, <laughs> they're, like, almost, like, skulls yeah. with no, like, skin and, like, super huge brains. They kind of look like... um like crane. Yeah. And they, in order to breathe in our atmosphere, they either have to chew like nitrogen gum or they have to have, you know, be in like space suits to be able to walk around. And so, yeah, it definitely looks like Krang when they're, when they got the little glass hoods on and yeah. stuff. The, the grossest part is right around where they're like mouth and jaw connect. There's like these little flaps. 
yeah, there's like these little like turkey giblet jowl things going yeah, on there that I kept disgusting. flapping around. I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, look, for taking what it is like that this is supposed to be like a goofy movie, I really like the design of this. And I'm sure he based it off of those those trading cards, which is like... <laughs> You know, I don't want to give him too much credit for that, but but I think it's <laughs> right. like, but like I I think overall, like if you're just taking this movie for what it is, I think it looks really good. Yes, at, up to this point, other than the fact that I think that they're just they've introduced so many characters that I just don't care about. I'm having a good time. I'm looking forward to where this is going, and it's at this like little broadcast thing. What <laughs> I love Jack Nicholson's first reaction when he sees them is just a yikes. <laughs> yikes. Because, yeah, these guys look fucking crazy. They're just screaming, ack, ack, ack. And the uh, scientists somehow throw together this, like, crude translator machine, uh, which makes no sense when they actually filter anything through that. Like, half of what they're saying just... I thought they were translation issues, but it seems to be just weird coded messages the aliens are giving at first, because then it seems to work itself out, and we can understand kind of what they're saying. The whole time I was like, does this actually work? Like, are they, is it really translating like what they're actually saying? Because, and and there's no way to tell like based on how the movie goes. Yeah. I kind of wish they would have almost just gone for, I mean, I don't know. Subtitles would have been kind of cool, but, but then again, I guess if you, if the idea is to never really understand what the Martians want or where they're coming from, other than destruction, I guess, then I can't, kind of plays into their favor where you're so on the outs that you're just, confused by every one of their actions i think i think you can i think you can go either way because i think you can either go the way that they did where you're just like confused by everything they're doing or i think you can go for the comedy of like humans misinterpreting what they're saying by like a thousand fold yes yes. you know like they're they're, if they're coming up with the subtitles that just like we're here to destroy your planet and like we're declaring war and then the machine goes we come in peace like that's right you know there's a there's a certain cheap laugh to that yeah, because I, I wouldn't expect, obviously, the humans in the movie to understand what they're saying, but maybe for the audience to maybe get a little more insight into what their plan was, even if, obviously, you know, the humans, the, the characters in the movie misinterpret what their actions are or what they're saying, it would be kind of nice for the audience to know, like, what the fuck they're talking about, other than ack, 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 again and again and again. Right. Uh, but the military does organize a meeting with the Martians. Uh, some people we kind of meet up with similar to like an Armageddon or an Independence Day where it's again all these disparate characters and we're kind of following how they are reacting to this news. So Jack Nicholson's other character, his wife is played by Annette Benning. She is thinks that the aliens have come in peace and that they're going to save humanity. So her and there's a bunch of like self-proclaimed hippies who come in peace, you know, holding up banners and stuff. Uh, welcoming the aliens. I think we need to clarify too, though, that this is Jack Nicholson's Vegas wife, not not the first lady. Exactly, not the first lady. Yes, classic American welcome. We've got people sort of in stands. The military is there, but they're standing down and they're hoping. Obviously, they don't have Jack Nicholson out there because they're worried. You know, there could be some sort of miscommunication or attack. So they do send someone else out there to be sort of an ambassador. They send out General Casey, uh, played by Paul Winfield. We've also got the news reporter, uh, Michael J. Fox there, as well as uh, Jack uh, Jack Black's character, one of the privates. He's also on the base. Sarah Jessica Parker's character is there. Yep. And so huh, it all sort of begins with what you think is a miscommunication or them misinterpreting what a dove means because everything seems to be going smoothly. They seem to have come in peace. 
Again, they're kind of freaked out by the appearance of the aliens, but it seems peaceful at first. Yeah, that's the translation says we come in peace. And so (laughs) one of the people in the stands releases a dove and they just immediately shoot the dove and then look upon the crowd of onlookers and just start fucking shooting everybody, killing everyone in sight. Yeah, and like their guns do this weird thing where like it just like melts your skin off or something like until you're just a skeleton, a green or a red skeleton. And again, some of the stuff I was looking into, I, I don't know how truthful this is because I guess they planned for a December release the entire time, which is when the film came out. So that's why they planned red and green skeletons for Christmas colors. They also claimed to have, to avoid the R rating. In the script, it said that the guns like dismembered people and ripped them apart and set them on fire. And here they just sort of like burst into a quick little orange flame and then they dissolve, their skeletons yeah. dissolve, or some of them just turn to skeletons. Yeah. So so the real question is, is Mars Attack a Christmas movie? <laughs> so stupid, yeah. Die Hard or Mars Attack? Which, one? <laughs> Which one's a Christmas movie? Ugh. But yeah, out of all these people, they kill the general. They kill Michael J. Fox is already dead. They kill Jack Black. We've got uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who is not killed, but is knocked out and kidnapped, essentially abducted by the aliens, mm-hmm. as is uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, right? Uh, not till later. Oh, not till later. Okay, okay. So, but they do get her pet chihuahua, Poppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he gets abducted when Martin Short lets an alien in. Oh, yeah, Martin Short's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Martin Short's in this movie. <laughs> and he's always trying to sleep with prostitutes. Apparently his yeah. job at the White House is so stressful, he's always need to decompress to by strolling the streets. Yeah, exactly, picking up prostitutes. Martin Short in uh, maybe his skeeziest role ever. <laughs> I love Martin Short. And again, I do too. I'm happy say, to see Martin Short. Same, same. I'm I'm happy to see so many of these people and it is slightly disappointing that just so many of them are given kind of nothing to do. Like I, Mar- it's hard to not make Martin Short, you know, every line a laugh, but I, I get very little out of what he's doing, yeah. even though he's, you know, doing some classic short stuff. <laughs> so they set up another meeting. Yeah, it's not a big deal that they murdered hundreds of people. <laughs> it might have just been miscommunication on their part. Exactly. The Martian ambassador actually requests the meeting for Congress to basically apologize for what had happened. And at this meeting, the Martians, you know, go up, they start to apologize and then (laughs) just again, kill everyone in Congress. They kill everyone except pretty much the president who's saved last minute and brought into a bunker. But yeah, this whole like siege upon the White House. Jesus. man. Yeah, it's uh it's a little different after the Capitol riots, huh? It really does. Yeah, it really does. But they're running in through the entire uh, White House, k- killing indiscriminately. There are, because uh, doesn't, yeah, the First Lady dies, right? A First chandelier's dropped dies, on her yeah. head. Yeah. Um, Taffy is saved, thankfully. We also have Pam Greer's kids who were shown, first introduced like skipping school, playing a, a video game where they're shooting aliens, now actually killing the aliens with their ray guns. The only ones doing anything, even seemingly more capable than the Secret Service. Yeah. <laughs> like, get them out of here, bro. Get them out of here, I guys. hate when kid, they make kids competent. <laughs> I, I think it's just because I, like, deep down maybe hate kids. But anyway. I That's not even a deep down thing, Zach. I think yeah, you wear I'm it pretty, on your sleeve. Pretty surface level about not liking <laughs> children of a certain age. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I do believe is I think this is when uh, Professor Donald Kessler, that's Pierce Brosnan, is um, abducted, and then when he's brought aboard the spaceship, man, it is. So I don't know how I feel about first off, just like what the Martians are doing. They're walking around in what appears to be underwear. They have underwear. Yeah. 
and many of their like they have so many human mannerisms like they're high-fiving each other they're like ogling people having sex in a trailer later on it's yeah. like things that i would never anticipate martians doing that i i guess are thrown in for laughs but it kind of cheapens their uh the horror behind it or you know at least their menace well again you know there's i i think there's a difference between his like satire of old b alien invasion movies and like what he like trying to like modernize the humor and i think when he does that when he try when he attempts to make things that like oh well this is funny for us it's not that funny like i just don't sure like, I, i've never really laughed at a lot of tim burton comedies i'll say that like i've never like i don't think he's like super funny. yeah i mean like beetlejuice and peewee obviously have yeah. just like these quirky crazy he, he don't let me say this actually let me backtrack a little let me freaking rewind before i get hate mail I think he, uh, I think he does not do a good job blending genres. Like if it's not an all out, if it's not an all out comedy, then like it's not usually that funny. The Mad Hatter dance at the end of Alice in Wonderland, dude. I don't need that. I don't want to well, think about that. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, and I'm sure you have, friggin' YouTube Mad Hatter dance at the end of Alice in Wonderland. Watch the actually, you know what? Just watch the whole movie for context because then it really hits home. <laughs> What are you doing? That's the worst homework you could assign someone. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the fucking worst thing I've ever seen in a movie. I think I turned off the movie at that point. I was like, okay, I don't care how this ends. Oh, shit, dude. So we, I just realized, again, because this movie is so much of just fucking aliens pointing and shooting at people after a certain point, I screwed up half the plot. Yeah, because I screwed up half the yeah, plot. Yeah, after the Congress, there, this movie becomes nothing. The first wait lady has not died yet. That comes later because there is this whole bit with what you've seen on the poster, these sort of iconic images with the dog lady, that's Sarah Jessica Parker, and this fucking Martian disguise yeah. that they uh, create out of this like buxom blonde. So first off, yes, when uh, Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Parker are on the ship, they, they take off Sarah Jessica Parker's head and they put it on the body of her chihuahua. And then they take the chihuahuas in and they put it on her body for seemingly no reason other than just fuck with her and make something weird, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a laugh for the audience. Huh. Then they create this sort of uh, 50s pinup model to go down to the White House to sort of infiltrate and hopefully assassinate the president. And of course, Martin Short being the horny doggy is uh, picks her up thinking she's a prostitute. She does not talk. Uh, and I also really loved, absolutely loved the way she moved because she never walks and it never shows her feet touch the ground. She's always just yeah. like swaying and gliding like she's on like a fucking elliptical or something. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I do like um, the way this 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 yeah. plays out for a bit. Again, we want to apologize if this sounds disjointed because literally it's so hard to keep track of any sort of plot because the characters are, str are strewn out all over the place and it really like nothing's really happening. Like yes. nothing's happening in the rest of this movie. <laughs> it's just a lot of aliens killing people. There is yeah. this bit where uh, Martin Short takes her into the Oval Office. Um, at some point, he tries to seduce her, does not ask consent to kiss her, and then puts his finger in her mouth to like pull out the gum she's chewing on, which, again, is, I guess, that nitrogen gum or some uh, apparatus that allows them to breathe in our atmosphere. Turns out it's the alien in disguise. He bites off his finger and then just leaves him. He gets knocked out. But I don't know if Martin Short is killed. And you'd think a character as despicable as Martin Short should have at least gotten the the, the ray, right. you know, dissolved like everyone else. But they rip off the mask, goes into the president's bedroom while they're sleeping and attempts to kill them. Uh, that's when the Secret Service breaks in. And this is when I believe the First Lady's finally killed with that chandelier. 
Uh, eventually, I think, because don't they kill the dog too? Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, this is where they kill the fucking dog. I didn't like that. Yeah, no need to really kill the didn't dog, like guys. that. No, no need to kill the dog. But Secret Service do arrive in time. They kill the alien imposter, and this is what prompts a full scale invasion as the ships sort of just surround the globe. This is when they do indeed storm the White House and just start uh, straight shooting everything in sight. They do kill the first lady with the chandelier. This is when uh, the president is um, kind of shoot away to the bunker. And we meet a more of the characters in Las Vegas as the streets are sort of like set ablaze. Plenty of destruction there. We finally do meet um, Danny DeVito, uh, who is, I guess, sort of just like a rude gambling lawyer who is in this for all of one and a half minutes. It says, so it says like, although Danny DeVito has billing above the title in like many posters on DVD covers, um, other promotional artwork, he plays an unnamed character with a half a dozen lines in approximately one and a half minutes of screen time. It's cur- it's, it's insane. It's like, why did you even get DeVito? <laughs> it's insane misadvertising. And I mean, maybe they had like a bunch of cutting room floor footage of Danny DeVito, but like, he's like hardly in this movie. There's no reason to even bill him, honestly. It, it, it comes about as close to a cameo as you can get. In an hour and 45 minutes... It's, there's just there's such a, a crazy stacked cast that it's impossible to give everyone their due. And then you have to give people like Jack Nicholson two characters, one of which I do not care about. He is finally killed in this like destruction scene where the hotel that he's selling is going down or was shot down or something. Why didn't we just make Danny DeVito the hotel owner? I don't know. I He'd don't been perfect. know. He'd have been perfect. But whatever. I, you know what? Tim Burton, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are. Uh, <laughs> Take notes for a remake, my friend. This, I do like the little bit here with the French president who sets up the meeting with the Martians as well. And they're again in their like sort of uh, Oval Office of sorts asking, um, you know what, we apologize. We wanted to do a truce essentially. And so the, the president calls, the US president calls Jack Nicholson, letting him know, hey, like the Martians are here and we're uh, making like everything, we're uh, making a treaty, like a truce and everything's good. And he's like, just get out of the room, man. And they just start killing everyone in, in the parliament. It's strange because this is what you want because I, I do, will say the visual humor of a few of these gags is kind of what I was anticipating Mars Attacks would be, was the flying saucers, you know, hitting over the Washington Monument, toppling over the Washington Monument to, like, crush Boy Scouts. Yeah. So it, like, knocks it one way and then pushes it the other way. Yeah. It becomes a disaster movie at this point, which is, like, you know, cool. I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, for all of a couple minutes, it's like that. They get a shot of like them erasing Mount Rushmore. These are things that I, I understand why they would pitch the movie. Like this, these are images that you'd probably find in the trailer, which I never watched. But like, this isn't the promise the movie like settle like doesn't deliver on though. No, it's true. It's I don't know. Like I said, it's just but the the second half of this movie is just disjointed nonsense. Um, and like, and again, it's just more excuses to get other people in because I don't think we mentioned either that Tom Jones becomes a character in this movie. <laughs> he's got more screen time than Danny DeVito. He does, yeah. He's a fucking hero. I would have loved to have him been like that much more of a hero because for some reason, there's this little band of survivors that kind of get together in uh, Las Vegas led by Jim Brown as uh, Byron yeah. Williams, that Las Vegas heavyweight champ. Uh, who's trying to get home to Pam Greer and his two sons, who were the two kids that were killing the aliens earlier. And then we've got Annette Benning after her husband, uh, Jack, the other Jack Nicholson, dies. Uh, she's there, as well as Danny DeVito. Very briefly, he is killed unceremoniously when he's trying to like 
sell a watch to an alien to get out of <laughs> being killed. Yeah. And then uh, then we've also got, yeah, Tom Jones, who <laughs> I did laugh a lot at this line where their whole bit is to like get into a plane. They just want to leave the Vegas area. So they believe there's a, an airfield nearby. So Jim Brown kind of leads them there. And once they do find the airplane, <laughs> uh, Tom Jones jumps inside and she's like, do you know how to fly this thing? And he's like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like flipping knobs yeah, like, and shit. Why, it's like, why Tom Jones knows how to fly that tiny airplane? Is, <laughs> yeah. That is funny. That that uh, I think is maybe the yeah. funniest part of the entire movie. But yeah, and then we just get more and more of these characters that we had set up kind of just getting killed, getting knocked off. We see like more of the, the Lucas Haas character who's racing to get to his grandmother um, in the nursing home, mm-hmm. uh, there's the Martians also have a sort of what was that alien robot thing we had in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? The uh, couple a Zord, <laughs> yeah. they got a Zord going. They're like controlling, running <laughs> down the street and shit. And- yeah, that's how Lucas Haas's uh, family dies. The Zord yeah. fucking kills him, and Jim Brown is also like f- like fist fighting a group of aliens. <laughs> I laughed a lot at that too when yeah they're they're on the airfield so they got to get cleared and so he's like I'll distract them while you get away and so he goes out there rips off all of his egyptian like yeah, <laughs> disguises armor or whatever that's about as close to a hero's journey as you're going to get in this movie because he's the whole time yeah. they've just been like ah you're a washed up boxer and he's just like well I'm going to box my way out of this and like <laughs> So yeah, him just beating the shit out of these aliens is actually really funny. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they do overpower, and, and for a while, I was it left me with a very sour taste in my mouth that they just mm. beat him to death. They do not, because again, there's some, he's like, no weapons, he throws his gun down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to just bare knuckle box these fucking aliens. These fucking and they, aliens. Like, they just agree to it for whatever reason, yeah, so they don't like, use hey, their yeah. weapons, but they like beat him to death. Like, again, just sort of the weird logic with these aliens that they're just like, okay, yeah, like we'll, we'll do this mano y mano. It's like, what? Yes. No. So if Danny DeVito <laughs> can't talk his way out of getting shot with a thousand dollar watch, <laughs> Jim Brown is not get like getting away with like, let's fist fight for, for our lives. <laughs> yeah. It also just goes against the entire ethos of what these guys have presented so far, which is just, we're going to kill you kill no matter what. There's nothing you can yeah. say. Yeah. They literally just land and there's nothing you can do. We're just going to kill everybody. And yeah. So it is a strange choice, but it is a funny joke. I'll say. Yeah. But the aliens do finally crash into the bunker uh, they get down there with Jack Nicholson and they kill everyone, including the general, by like shrinking him down and squashing him. I this whole bit here yeah. where yeah he's like we're not gonna fucking take it anymore. He just starts shooting <laughs> the general starts shooting the aliens and shit. Quickly shrunk and squashed, and then Jack Nicholson tries to you know deliver this speech. <laughs> yeah, he gives his Independence Day speech. Yep, and yeah. gets fucking killed for it. He does end it with like the Rodney King can't we all just get along line, which is like, oh, I didn't need that. But again, yeah, just, the 90s, yeah, doing that, like, this isn't, we don't need this in our Mars attacks. By the way, speaking of not mentioning things in this movie, not a single alien fart. Yeah. Wow. Not a, and the Chihuahua that could have farted. Jack Black's in this movie. Jack Black's in this movie. He didn't fart. You know, Danny DeVito's in this movie. Glenn Close is in this movie. <laughs> she didn't fart once. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Albert Nobbs didn't fart. Did you ever see that movie, Albert Nobbs? No. We find out that at the nursing home, they're setting up this giant like dis- destruction ray behind the grandmother. Instead of just shooting her, they realize that she's listening to music and she's not paying attention, so they decide to like extra kill her with this giant like drill radar gun. I don't know. It's like a yodeling soundtrack that she's listening to, I think. Yeah, so she's listening to, I had to look it up, it's Slim Whitman's, a song called Indian Love Call. 
which Ew. when the when the headphones are pulled out of, of the uh, record player there, uh, finally gets full blast, and this kills the aliens. It, the sound of it alone just causes their heads to sort of shake and explode, and they all just start dying as long as they're close enough to hear this song, this specific song, not music in general. Get on the horn and let them know we know how to kill them. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, so they just start driving around, like, blasting this song. Yeah, the the fucking armed forces just deploy with megaphones and shit, just blasting this song. Because we did also fail to, to mention they tried to nuke them earlier by sending a nuke at the mothership. And I, I, I'm trying to understand what happened here. It looked like they sent a drone spaceship out. To absorb the impact of the nuke. Yeah, they like vacuumed the nuke up or something yep. like that. And then the aliens get the little drone and then seemingly take a hit off it like you would yeah, they like smoke inhaling it. Yeah, like an inhaling helium from a balloon and then just start laughing. <laughs> okay, all right, Fucking whatever. Weird. Yeah. weird, weird, weird. But um yeah, I forgot we mentioned that. There's again, there's a lot of nonsense happening that we just kinda like glossed over because it's just like I I don't know. The Martian ship that does have um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Pierce Brosnan, uh, because now both of their heads have been dissected and removed from the body, so they're just sort of hanging around for, again, future experiments, but because the song is now blasted into the spaceship, uh, the aliens all start dying, so the UFO goes down into uh, Lake Tahoe. I did like this little bit where the heads like are rolling next to each other, and they do finally get to profess like their love for each other, and they get one smooch in before dying. Very strange, but again, it's just like some of these characters at least have, I wouldn't say arcs, but they at least have a closing chapter to their story where others are just killed unceremoniously for seemingly no reason other than to shock you that we just watched Michael J. Fox die. I, I, I just feel bad. Like, I don't, I'd have rather had, like, one or two solid good characters in this movie than just the cavalcade of... Celebrity cameos. Yeah. Celebrity cameos, Yeah. So uh, Natalie Portman is obviously the last one left. I don't know if she's now considered the president. If, that's, we're considered- that's certainly how <laughs> right? she's acting. Yeah, because she straight up awards um, Richie, that's Lucas Haas, and his grandmother Florence the Medals of Honor. <laughs> and then he gives the dumbest fucking speech at the end of the movie, too. Oh, my God, I wanted to fucking die. Maybe we could all live in, like, teepees or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they just seem cooler. Um, but yeah. that's that's about all I got. Thanks. Which I guess is, like, the joke. But I, by the end of this movie, I'm just, like, over it. I'm just, like, I can't, I can't deal with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, <sighs> and then uh, we end with Byron, Jim Brown, finally arriving. He Jim did Brown. survive the Martian brawl. Arrives in Washington, D.C. as, like, everyone's sort of cleaning up the, discrep- the, the destruction. I do like how they're just pushing martian carcasses out of their apartments that are blown up and like, stuff yeah, yeah like onto the street like leaf collection yeah, like sweeping them up yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> uh yeah and then uh, yeah he runs home to his, see his wife and kids and we end again i got one last laugh out of this where tom jones sings his song it's not unusual yeah yeah as a fucking hawk just lands on his arm because for whatever reason him annette benning and i think it was yeah jim brown there yeah. might have been one other person here like come out of a cave like they've been hiding in a cave with like i don't know a noah art noah's ark animal brigade behind them it you know it is like the addition of Tom Jones, and I never thought I would ever say this, the addition of Tom Jones made this movie, like, 50% better. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Jones was probably the best part of this movie. Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, do you have, 
do you have a favorite character? Who would be your favorite character? It's like not based on actor alone. You can't just pick them because they're like, I don't know. I, I don't know, know who to pick. I don't know. Maybe Tom Jones. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. maybe Tom Jones. Tom Jones, I, I Jim Brown is kind of like cool. Like, that's about all I can say is you're like, yeah, at least he's Jim just Brown's got a cool okay. beat up aliens. But like, I yeah, but he's got the most, he's got the most tired, like plot. Though. Oh, yeah, sure. It's like, just a very generic. Yeah. yeah cliched so story. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Michael the old J. woman Fox is dead. <laughs> No, (laughs) because her grandson, that family is, Jack Black dies, like, I don't know, I'd love to, like, a lot of the characters who I wanted to see more of were the ones that died immediately. Yes. Jack Black, Danny DeVito, uh, Michael J. Fox, like, all those characters, like, those are the people that I really want to see on screen. I didn't care for Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Parker, because they were just, like, I don't know, they were just the butt of a joke, like, whatever. Anyway. Brandon, that's Mars Attacks. That's it. Yeah, that's Mars Attacks. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm. So, we've, we've been <laughs> off a couple of weeks, and I feel like our, our return back was was sort of a disjointed recovering because I just I don't I don't have the words to say of how I feel about this movie necessarily because it, it kind of does speak to my sensibility of that weird dumb humor. There's a little bit of a uh, sci-fi horror thrown in, and it's Tim Burton, and it's got a cast of like characters actors who I fucking love. I would like I love 95 percent of this cast. It's like crazy. But I, I feel like because it's such this, this giddy satire that's intentionally trying to be cynical and cheesy, it's hard to come at with any real criticism. Yeah. And it, it is. It's, a, it's like you like it or you don't like it. I, I, I kind of fell in the more not loving it canon. However, I can appreciate some of its eccentricities, which is usually what I say with all Tim Burton movies that I'm not in love with. This is kind yeah. of where we fell with that Planet yeah. of the Apes remake. It's like... No, this movie isn't good, but there's a ton of fucking weird shit in here that like had me kind of laughing or like questioning like why who what what decision who made this decision and why is it made? I completely forgot that we did that movie, but it's, it's Paul Giamatti's in that. Paul Giamatti's in that movie. <laughs> so, despite there being moments of entertainment, I do think I like the alien design, but as you mentioned, Zach, that's probably going to be based off the top's trading card, so it's hard to give too much credit to Tim Burton himself. I will say that out of his films, yes, this does feel the most, I don't want to say childlike, but juvenile. Like It's like a Mad Magazine version of like an Independence Day or one of those um, 50s sci-fi epics you'd find back in the day that was given a bigger budget than it probably should deserved. Um, but at the same time, it's not so big that it can, I think, pull off maybe uh, the visuals that they want to. You know, the movie that I kept thinking of the most watching this was, I don't know if you've seen it, was Eight-Legged Freaks with with yeah, David Arquette. That folks. movie yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, was direct was not directed, but it was produced by Roland Emmerich, who did direct um Independence Day. And that movie is mm. a movie that is is hearkening back to those 50s giant insect movies while also trying to be one of those movies. And this movie feels yeah. so similar to that in that I can't say either are necessarily successful. I didn't I wasn't bored and I didn't hate watching this or anything like that. And there are a new of a, a few clever gags and, and it is fun to just see some of these these characters especially like michael j fox and you know danny devito who you don't see on screen outside of you know it's always sunny uh that often and so not a movie i anticipated this feeling coming out of i i i, I thought that going yeah. into this movie and i had avoided it for so long simply because it just didn't quite appeal to me and then now leaving it i now understand that yeah this one this one just might not be for me however i do get it i do get it if you do like this movie it's got a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd say that's pretty close. I, I would bring it down a hair. I'm going to give it a 45. I think it's it's a pretty 
fine watch, but it is kind of the same joke again and again and again. And once you're burnt out on the alien voices and them shooting with people, shooting people uh, indiscriminately, it begins to wear out as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, having seen this movie a few times, I I can't say that it. I think the first forty minutes, and it does take forty minutes for us to get aliens in this movie. Um, I'd say the first forty minutes are probably the one like the best part of that movie but it's because like you're building this anticipation as something that you're expecting to be good um and i don't think it quite delivers on that which is hugely disappointing um i think in terms of tim burton films this might be we talked about this a little bit before we started recording i think it might be his most unhinged and not in the sense that it's just like crazy because he's made crazier movies than this obviously but i think this reminds me of a movie where like you know you get your friends together you have a camera and you're like you have an idea for like a short film and you shoot it you shoot a scene and then you stop rolling the camera and you like look around and you're like, uh, okay, now let's go over there. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't feel like there's any sort of like ideas coming to fruition in this movie other than like set pieces. Um, I think the cast is unnecessarily impressive. <laughs> like it just, like he just didn't have enough material for everyone. And it's like, fine but like you don't need to have danny devito in this movie then like like it to me like it's cool it's cool to have all these people in it but to not have that you know it just becomes more of a disappointment when they then just have a minute and a half of screen time and do nothing like it it feels like false advertisement at that point because danny devito's top build in this movie for no reason He's got the least amount of screen time. Like, and the end with just like Natalie Portman is like essentially becomes the most important person in the country. I don't know anything about her other than she's a grumpy teenager because you like you hardly see her in this yeah. movie. And I think I think that's just a lot of its problem is that it just doesn't really have a plan other than aliens come down and slaughter people. And you know what? Again, I'm right there with you. I probably lean towards not liking this movie that much. Um, If you do like this movie, I totally get why it's like there's humor in it. There's, you know, cool aliens. Um, It's it's goofy and weird and eccentric. And that connects with a lot of people. And I totally get that. But I think if you're looking for something that's going to harken back to those old B movies, I don't know if you necessarily come to this one. I think it's just I think it falls short in a lot of what it promises. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 40. I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I don't think it's that great. I think if you're nostalgic about it and you liked it, I you know, I don't know because I remember liking this movie too and I can't say that I do anymore. So, you know, uh, I'd say if you are nostalgic about this, proceed with caution. Yeah. Out of Tim uh, Burton's filmography, I tip towards liking the most of it, maybe by 60%. You know, it's not all of it because a lot of them I do have some problems with, but this is just one of those you know, not ones I like so much. It's It goes on a little too long. Maybe watch it in segments. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, honestly, it's just the bigger problem with with make trying to make a big studio movie that is clearly trying to emulate what filmmakers who had no money were doing. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's just, it doesn't mesh well. And so, like, these movies where they try to put so much money into these, you know, 50s hom- homages, essentially, it, it they fall flat because you can't capture what they did because you're not like, again, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a B movie that is a satire of B movies, 
mm-hmm. comes off as a B movie because it's so shittily produced yeah. and there's no budget and the actors are nobodies and it's like this is fun. You're almost off you're almost better off if you're trying to make a movie like that today like limiting yourself in budget. Like, Absolutely. Don't even, don't even bother. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can make some of like Psycho Gorman or something like that which was a recent like kind of small uh, indie yeah. hit where it was this like, you know, pastiche of horror and fantasy and Power Ranger bullshit almost. Yeah. And it like pulls it off because yeah, they had a nickel and a dime to make the movie and it's clearly you have to be so much so much more creative when you have no money yeah. to try and pull off these visual effects. And and another thing that bothers me about this cast in particular is that I don't like they have all these people and I don't necessarily believe they add any value to this movie. Like I think this movie would have been just as good or just as bad if you had hired unknowns. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. You know? The fact that this this cast is so stacked means nothing and it it's also It's a very high bar that it doesn't reach and I think that's the fatal flaw in this movie is that it's just it's overpromising on this idea of a spectacle and it just never quite delivers and you can tell tim burton loves these movies i i doubt jack nicholson or glenn close or annette benning are in love with ed wood 1950s movies you know what i mean so it's like their passion clearly isn't in either so it's like you know get an elijah wood or someone who clearly is in love with these type of genre films yeah someone who's gonna love ed wood movies (laughs) but again yeah yeah, not a waste of time but i am glad we watched it and honestly at this point zach we're might as well just run through the entire fucking filmography of tim burton uh it's 90 sports anyway we'll get there eventually we're getting close between him and schumacher (laughs) yeah 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 Oh, man. Well, yeah, we're going to have to do friggin uh, Boondock Saints two and three, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I heard they're coming up with the third one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sorry. I that would just <laughs> the we're news just talking there, about yeah. directors that we do on this show. And like, oh, fucking what's his name always comes up in my head. Troy Duffy. Yeah, Troy Duffy <laughs> always comes up in my head because it's one of the worst movies ever. Anyway. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, we are taking a 180 for next week, getting a little uh, Christmas spirit. But before we get there, Zach, it's been a while. Is there anything really good or really bad that you want to recommend or just a few titles here and there? Uh, the only two titles I'm going to kind of recommend is I did see Dune in theaters. If you haven't seen Dune, I think it's back on HBO Max now. It's too bad because it does deserve a big screen treatment. Yep. Um, but I will say as a fan of the books, as a fan of the old uh, Lynch film, I think this one under delivers too. I, I was oh, a little, shit. Yeah, I was not as Hot stoked. Take. Yeah, I was not as stoked about it as I as I anticipated being. I'm looking forward to part two, but man, that's a tough movie to make into a fi- or tough book to make into a film, hmm. especially one that's like I, like. Obviously, I think one of the big problems in the old film was that they tried to put this book into one movie and it was difficult. And then I think in this one they're trying to stretch it out into two, and I think that's difficult too. Because uh, okay. <laughs> like okay. So, um, but like, obviously visually stunning, uh, well acted, there's some cool things in it. Um, it's a long, long, long movie, but <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's a soft recommend. And then, um, the hard recommend I'm giving is if you have Apple TV, uh, the shrink next door with oh. Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, that show is getting to me. Um, I love it. It's very good. Um, I recommend that it's funny. It's dark. Um, if you have trust issues, maybe don't watch it, but like it's, it's a solid, solid comedy. I love the trailer black, for it. Black. Yeah. Comedy. yeah. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it. It's good. That that would involve me getting Apple plus. Yeah. It's like six bucks or something a month. Maybe, maybe the month. There's, there's so many Zach. There's just so many. You know what? Wait until 
get the seven day free trial. Wait until it's like all done. All all done. <laughs> yeah, get the seven go. day free trial. Binge it and then cancel because because honestly, unless you're watching Ted Lasso, there's nothing else to watch on Apple. That's Plus. what I thought. Like I used to have Apple Plus for a while because they just gave yeah, the it Rob, away with the your Rob McKelney, <laughs> The Rob McKelney show on it sucks. Like it's, oh, uh, Mythic Quest. Yeah, yeah, Mythic Quest sucks. So like everything else. But yeah. Um. Anyway, those are my recommendations. Well, there we go. Yeah, the only only ones I had saw recently were uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is just a regurgitation of, you know, that uh, 80s nostalgia. Speaking of a movie built on nostalgia. Yeah, Yeah, no kidding. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm not seen it, but I'm I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it's no 2016 Ghostbusters. It's not that bad, but it's not this fucking second coming of Christ that a lot of these other, I feel like, hardcore Ghostbusters fans are claiming it to be. It's it's fine. Um, And then I also saw what was House of Gucci. Um, you know, dude, I had fun during that. It's, I mean, it's Ridley Scott, so it's clearly like beautiful looking, really well edited. Uh, and at two and a half hours, it doesn't feel that long. I will say, I don't know what the fuck Jared Leto's doing in this movie, but he's in another movie. He's doing like a like a Wario or I mean a Luigi impression. It's just crazy. There's just there's. I I can't go up to bat for Jared Leto. I just can't. I never have been able to, and I I don't think the only time I ever did it was. Um, that fucking movie he won an Oscar for, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. That movie's great. He's been like, good. Yeah, it's like Fight Club, and I even defended his cornrows in Panic Room. But uh, yeah. <laughs> over the past, like, yeah, I'd say ten years, I, there's not been much I've liked from Jared Leto. No, I I will pass on Jared Leto being a good actor, <laughs> but I will give you a, a hard recommend for a uh, pig, Nicholas Cage Oof. in Pig. It's uh, yeah, they they're. There've been rumblings online that it's like John Wick, but with a pig and Nicolas Cage. That's not it at all. It really so it's, it's sort of marketed like there might be some action. There's almost none. There's almost no violence in this movie. It really is more of just a character study about Nicolas Cage living in the wilderness, missing his truffle pig. Yeah, after it's kidnapped by like I love that there's like this weird seedy organization who's involved in like high end like food, and so they like kidnap so they truffle, steal a pigs. truffle pig. <laughs> It's like, what funny. is this world? But yeah, I had a blast with it. Again, it's weird and and dark and kind of slow. But if you're in that vibe, I think I think you'll like it. Okay, good. All right. All right. So next week, yeah, let's cool. wrap this up. Yep. So 2003, uh, we're doing a holiday romantic comedy. Uh, pretty much our wheelhouse, right, Zach? <laughs> yeah, we're really good at this genre. <laughs> I love romantic comedies and I love Christmas movies. <laughs> And what better way to celebrate a movie uh, following a movie that had an entire huge cast of characters with very little to do than following that up with a new movie (laughs) with an entire cast of characters with, I mean, they get a little more to do, but it's been a while. Yeah. So I'm excited to revisit uh, Love Actually. Love Actually. I'm sure my girlfriend's going to be stoked to watch this one. You better watch. I was going to say, you better watch it. And honestly, I just want I want her opinion after it. I just want to, you know, we need a, fam- a female vision. We need some an opinion yeah. on it. I'm just curious if this holds up for her as well. And this is going to be, is this a first time watch for you, Zach? Or you hadn't seen it in a while? Or this is it's something. A, it's a second time watch for me. Okay. I saw it a long time on syndication. It'll be, it'll be practically fresh, but it's, uh, I mean, obviously I remember some of the like famous scenes in it. Hard to miss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The guy from Walking Dead holding that sign outside. Yeah. Yeah. You'll remember <laughs> yeah. that for life. I mean, it's been parodied so many times, too. At this point, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of those you just, you'll know from being alive during the 2000s. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we will tackle that next week. I don't know if it's on a streaming service, so I do apologize if you're going to have to rent that one, Zach. Uh, 
me oh my that might be the end of nostalgia be damned or that might be that might be the end of nostalgia be damned that i have to rent love actually but let's see let's let's do a quick check you can edit this out if you want Ooh, not streaming. Oh, fuck. That is a $4 rent (laughs) for me, so thank you. I can't wait to spend $4 on all. It'll be a nice romantic evening with you and yours. Yeah, that's true. Watch it with a friggin' loved one. and uh, Then tune in. Tune in. Uh, Apologies again for the long hiatus, new jobs, new apartments. Shit happens, life happens. Of course, we're going into the holidays. I'll be gone for like two weeks, so that'll be fun. Um, so maybe, <laughs> but we'll get to you when we yeah, can. We'll get to you when, when we drop can. episodes, we, appreciate, yeah. we do appreciate you sticking by us. Um, yes, love you guys. You can follow us wherever uh, you download the podcast. There, Podbean is our original hosted site, but you can also check us out on uh, Twitter and I believe Instagram because we are no longer thank, on the Facebook yeah, or Meta. Uh, well, no Facebook by Meta, um, but yeah, so yeah. we're no longer doing that. Um, but. You can also send us a review on any of those sites, and we ask that you do. We ask that you tell a friend, please, for the love of God. And if you have any requests, you can follow us on those pages, write to us, send us a direct message, or, of course, you can always write us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. Sweet. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you when we can. And, uh, yep. yeah, love actually is all around us. <laughs> That's the opening line of love actually, I think. We'll know, to, we'll know next week. <laughs>